Hey, I'm Robert Pearson, and this is Follow the Leader. We're going to do... Uh, I think this will be a Just My Two Cents today. I would like to talk about symbolism. There'll be some overlap with my good man Devin Jump over at Gospel Bearer. Possibly. I I just don't have time to keep up with everybody's videos. I would desperately love to. Try to get over and at least give them a thumbs up or so, and listen to at least the first five or ten minutes. I'm sure he did an awesome job, but the title of his video got me thinking. I, I got some opinions about symbolism, and I, I hate to be a middle ground guy, but I always choose option C when I'm given options A, option B, I always pick option C. I don't care if you didn't give me one, I will find one. Uh, if, if nothing more than just to be contrary. When it comes to symbolism, in the Christian community, there tend to be two camps. Uh, the One camp is, they don't know, they don't care. The other camp is, it is incredibly important, and now you have to look up all the ancient, esoteric, Babylonian nuance of things, or you can't buy Nikes anymore. And those seem to be the only two camps. And I, I don't believe symbols have meaning beyond those imparted to them by human intent. What something means is only determined by how humans use it. Or how God uses it and how that aligns. But for the purposes of the conversation, we're just talking about on the physical plane. Spiritual warfare is a whole other shtick, not not getting into it right now. On the material plane that we live and breathe in, symbols matter. Otherwise, branding and marketing wouldn't matter. Otherwise, it wouldn't work. Otherwise, you wouldn't feel a certain way when you see a Nike symbol versus a Reebok symbol uh, versus a Star Trek symbol or a Star Wars logo. Those images have meaning to you because of how they've been used, the stories that are associated with them, and then you see them and have an emotional reaction, and it can put you in a certain mood. Symbols are powerful like that. And the the tricky bit comes to when you talk about symbolism in holidays, because how do we how do we deal with that? And the uh, the two main camps are. They had never even heard of Nimrod, and uh, they don't even know who Ishtar is, and they're going to keep celebrating Easter and Christmas, and uh, you're some whack job nut, or you're going to hell because you call it Easter, and you celebrate Christmas. And I'm sure those are the smallest and loudest camps, um, but they're, they're pretty aggravating. The middle-of-the-road approach that I, I look at, when I look at symbols and things, like this symbol, I don't, I don't care if it came from 4chan as a fake or if it was a real deal. This has been okay my entire life. That's the context I have for that symbol. I'm going to keep using it as okay or as a lazy number three or as a point. There's a lot of military guys and stuff to do this because this is inappropriate in a lot of countries. This or this, Okay. Or if you're around your buddies, you drop it down below the waist and you get to punch them when they look at you. It, it means a lot of things to a lot of different people. And the context is important, the audience is important, and the person delivering the symbol is important. Alright? And it's 
Symbols only mean something because humans agree that they mean something. Think about letters. There's no cosmic law that says these squiggles make an A sound for A. Or an A sound for Aleph. Or, you know, an Alpha. Or whatever letters are called in Chinese. I don't, I don't know them. Kanji is like half of the written language in Japanese, and the other are a different, or they're two different kinds of, I don't know things. But the point is, those only mean something because an entire island of short people agree unanimously that those symbols mean those sounds, and they call that Nihongoga. Okay, that's cool, bud. I can start using the word Nihongoga to mean something completely different. And it's not going to affect me what they think. Or it might affect me what they think. I might be affected by what they think. I film these at the end of the day, guys. I don't word good right now. It's important what people mean when they use a symbol. Be it a verbal sound, or letters, or a holiday. So we can celebrate Easter as the resurrection of Christ. I think it would behoove you to know it's called Easter because of Ishtar's fertility celebration. You should know that. I don't feel comfortable calling it Easter because of that, because there's no other meaning to the word Easter. That's the reason we have eggs as their fertility symbols. That's the reason we have rabbits as their fertility symbols. That's the reason we have a maypole, as it's a giant phallus that little girls march around to become uh, virile or whatever, fertile. These are the, the realities, and I think you need to be aware of them. And if you can be aware of those realities, that there were terrible humans on Earth that used those words and those events and that celebration to terrible ends, and then take comfort in the fact that we are redeeming the celebration, we are celebrating the resurrection of Christ, that all of those symbols of fertility are now repurposed to become symbols of new life. They're, they're uh, symbols of resurrection. Symbols of life and joy and hope. All of that comes with the resurrection of Christ. If you're okay with that, awesome. I still, I'm a Resurrection Sunday guy. I don't like calling it Easter. Uh, but that's my mileage, right? I'm not going to tell somebody who calls it Easter, oh, you're a heretic. They don't know. For them, Easter has always meant the resurrection of Christ, the coming King, the hope that we all have. And so that's eggs, rabbits, little chickens... All of it represents new life and a resurrection and a hope that we have in Christ. Okay, cool. You know, same with, uh, same with, my brain just forgot the word of a major holiday I've celebrated every year of my life. Christmas! Now, except that one year, my dad canceled Christmas because we were, uh, we were getting greedy and didn't appreciate what we had and fell sway to materialism. And he's like, you know what? Christmas is canceled. Life lessons. It's important to follow through when you're parenting, guys. So, Christmas. You know, December 25th. The birthday of Nimrod. Saturnalia's festival. All that stuff. You know, bringing an Asherah pole into your home. That's what the live tree is. It represents the eternal cycle. It's essentially an Asherah pole you brought into your house. But not if it doesn't mean that to you. Just because some ancient Babylonians or some early Germanic tribes did that for that reason doesn't mean 
you do it now for that reason. You know, it's it's evergreen because of the eternal life Christ brings. It's a piece of his creation that we were given stewardship over. And by executing our dominion over it, by cutting it down and bringing it into a home that we fashioned with our hands that God gave us, on land that he gave us, we're taking part in uh, you know a small piece of that creation. And it's into this world that he sends his only son to save us from our stupidity and help humans not suck that much. That's Christmas. And that's what those symbols mean now as Christians. Christ redeems things. Okay? So if you're comfortable with using the old symbolism with the, the Christian motif now, you're not doing what everybody accuses the uh, early Catholics of doing. You know, you're not just, oh, we just renamed everything after Jesus so you can keep your old pagan festivals. No, you're redeeming the festival. No longer will you celebrate witches and warlocks and evil spirits, but celebrate the fallen saints, the ghosts of those great saints who have gone before us, who are now waiting beneath the sea of glass and white robes as we're surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses. Let's celebrate that. Let's dress up as the saints that have gone before us and remember their sacrifice, their martyrdom, their quiet lives of humility and piety. That is why it's All Hallows' Eve, All Hallowed Eve. It's a redemption of that, not a rebranding, not a repurposing or repainting. No, Christ goes in and redeems every aspect of our lives. Now, if you're still uncomfortable, that's completely okay. Uh, Paul in Romans is talking about a weaker brother and a stronger brother, and it's it's wrong to sit there and now negotiate or argue over, oh, well, I think I'm the weaker brother, or you're the stronger brother in this situation, I'm the stronger, and you know everybody else is wrong as the weaker brother, and I'll just pretend to be, no, 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 no. The whole point of that is you need to follow Christ as you are convicted in your heart to follow him to the best of your knowledge and understanding. So that's my cry on this channel is do your homework, do your homework, do your homework, and then listen and follow the conviction of your spirit. The Holy Spirit will guide you. And there are people in Japan when they become Christians. I, Having dropped out of Bible college, I have a lot of friends who are uh, Japanese missionaries. That's the only reason I know all this stuff. And I know, like, a phrase in Japanese. The the whole... Once they become Christians in Japan, the Shinto religion is so entrenched in every aspect of their culture. Japanese Christians, even though all things are lawful, though not all things are profitable, right? Christ has redeemed all of existence. They sever from that symbolism so harshly They'll cross on the other side of the street. They refuse to go into the Shinto shrines that are everywhere. They're like Starbucks over there. They'll cross on the other side of the street of them. They don't have the the little Shinto idols or anything anywhere near them. It used to be set up in a prominent place of the home with pictures of family members and stuff. They scrub all of that from their homes. And they they don't even get anything close to it. Because... It's, it's a conviction of their heart. Shinto was real to them for a very long time. And they cast it off and put on Christ. And that's, that is fine. 
And that is admirable. And just because you have some little trinket, because you went on a, a mission trip to India, and that trinket you find out, you know, 10 years later happens to be some weird pagan idol thing, you're like, I was just a cool thing from India because I went on a trip once. It means nothing. Because it means no more than the brass it was, you know, smelt with. These are a lot of specifics, but I don't have a real example for this. I just, I'm just making it up, man. But that's that would be a perfectly reasonable scenario for a Christian to have an idol in their home and go, look, it's just a chunk of brass that happens to look like an elephant. I'm not a Hindu pagan idol worshiper. I worship the one true God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob who sent Christ, his son, my redeemer. So I don't... It's just a piece of brass. It means nothing. It has no power. And so it reminds me of a time I went to India and enjoyed it. And it's a beautiful country and a beautiful culture. Okay, cool, right? Those things seem in conflict, but are in unity in Christ in that each person is following as their, you know, the Holy Spirit convicts them. You know, I'm not, I'm not that, I'm not Jesus. I don't know what's going on in their heart and in their head. All I can do is say, did you do your homework? And when it comes to symbolism, do your homework. Yes, I think it'd be better to know than to not know. It's a question, you know, why? What do eggs and rabbits have to do with Easter and Jesus? Why is it called Easter? Think about it. Question. Be curious about the reality you live in. And then when you figure it out, you know, whichever way you fall, but no, the other side aren't a bunch of heretics who are going to hell. They're a bunch of good and godly people. Maybe you should push them to do their homework a little bit. Uh, but once they've done the same homework you have, and they, you know, prayerfully considered it, and they came out at a different place, what are you going to do? Are you going to tell them, well, your inner conviction of your conscience is wrong? No. They're reading the same book you are. So, you know, whatever, man. If Christ redeems all things for you so hard that uh, you celebrate Halloween and Easter and all the pagan holidays and you redeem them as Christian holidays, rock on. But I I don't like the uh, witches or warlocks or anything associated with Halloween. So even though my kids will celebrate it, they're like straight Power Rangers or Ninja Turtles and stuff. So we enjoy it for the candy and the fun of dressing up and we keep it benign. And we make it clear to the kids, and it's a known fact in our house that there are crazy people out there that take that holiday seriously. And, uh, you know, we pray for them, but uh, we're not going to miss out on a chance to get some free candy and have some fun and uh, fellowship and maybe bring a little light to a dark place. Uh, But yeah, we don't partake of skull imagery and witches and spiders and things that are the symbolism that's going to communicate where our hearts are at, typically. Uh, but we just, we personally, but I mean, a jack-o'-lantern is just a pumpkin with some holes cut in it, right? God made cats. He made cats that are black. God made spiders. He finally crafted spiders such that they can make amazing webs that basically defy physics. I said basically, I know they don't, otherwise they couldn't exist. It's just, ignore it. Stop being so picky. So yeah, God made all these things. There are old ladies whose skin can look a little sallow with big noses and pointy hats, right? That's that's an okay thing, but when it's when it's in that context, when it has that meaning, right? 
So find your meaning. If it's if Christ redeems all those things for you and it means nothing because you know their magic isn't real, it's real for them. But as Christians, we are uh, we're beyond that. We are secure in Christ. Then yeah, don't don't worry about it. Have fun. As long as your heart's right, and as long as you did some homework to know what's going down, then you know, I'm not your judge before God. All I'm going to do is nudge you and go, hey, you know, maybe you should study more. That's all. So, that's all I got for symbolism, though. Because it doesn't make sense. If symbolism has inherent spiritual meaning, why are there people that say an upside-down cross is a symbol of the Antichrist? That's uh, that's the cross of St. Peter, bud. That's, that's the cross of St. Peter, who was crucified upside-down out of humility. He did not deserve, he believed he did not deserve to be uh, crucified, to be killed the same way that his Lord was killed. And so he requested to be crucified upside down, and they granted that request, according to church tradition. So the cross of St. Peter is an upside down cross. So it doesn't matter that a bunch of teenage goth kids think they're being all edgy and cool by hanging a cross upside down around their neck and walking around in public with it, and they're like, I'm defying the man. Christianity is a lie. I'm only pretending to be pagan. Nah, you're worshipping Satan, bud. And that's okay. But you're worshipping Satan doesn't undo the martyrdom of St. Peter, does it? No. No, it doesn't. So, that's all I got, guys. Symbols only mean what we believe them to mean. Human intent is the, the intangible factor when it comes to symbols. So, where's your heart at? And have you done your homework? That's all I got for you. Never take my word for it. I'll see you next time. Godspeed.